Hello, and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels, where we talk about the art and culture of running an independent record label. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Thank you so much for spending some time here. And today we're talking with an incredibly awesome label. I've loved this label for so long without even knowing that I've loved this label because there's so many records that that take me so far back. Um, but, but ATO Records... Uh, is home to my morning jacket, Brittany Howard, who has had an incredible couple of years, both with her band, Alabama Shakes, and then of course in 2019 uh, with her solo project. And Ockerville River is on this label as well. Um, so many great names on this label. It's such a pleasure to chat with them. And uh, I hope you get something from this. I wanted you to check out our new website, otherrecordlabels.com. That's where we're putting past episodes, and we're also going to be dumping some new resources on there, including our free guide for independent record labels. If you're thinking about starting a record label, or if you're currently running a label and want some advice and some tips, and and uh, we've got some of that that has been called from a lot of these episodes where we talk to great labels, very much like ATO Records. So please check out otherrecordlabels.com and enjoy the interview. Um, I, you know, one of the things I, as I was thinking about all of these like iconic records and iconic artists, there's something about like ATO, like there's some indie labels out there whose brand alone is popular, you know, like, like someone like Sub Pop, for example, ATO isn't necessarily like a household name, but when you look at the roster and your catalog and the Grammy nominees and the year end list, is there any intentionality to this, like taking a backseat to the artists and the records? Yeah, I think so because you know the the label prides um, itself on being very eclectic, mm. um, in the sense of you know all sorts of genres, all sorts of artists, and I think that we really try to um, have the artists tell their own stories and and let that drive the narrative um, in every way, and and so um, I'll just give you an example: some record labels. Uh, you know, upload all music videos to their, to their label YouTube channel, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Good example. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, it works for some labels, but I also think that like an artist development, it's so hard, um, alone to like really establish an artist in their own channels. And I think that it's so important that that is like a singular process because, you know, we, we hope to be with artists forever, but when it comes down to it, you know, sometimes artists bounce around to different labels, have different setups, and in the long run, it's so important that everything lives in in one channel, you know. Sure. So that's so. You know, obviously, we have some cases where you know we, we you know have certain genres where we we have a great variety of albums that fit, you know, and and make sense to maybe pitch them together. But I would say that like as a whole, there's kind of you know there's there's definitely such a diversity that. Um, I think it's better that they all kind of live on their own. You know what I mean? That's a really good thought. I, it's honestly never crossed my mind. And I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are starting a label or creative people who want to start their own label, um, all of their energy and thought goes into the label, the label, the label, and pushing that. And sometimes that can like, overstep the actual artist so that's a really cool thing it's a, it's kind of a generous thing that you that you do yeah we're in the artist development business you know like we we pride ourselves on that and and we we look at the long-term development in the artist and we're not trying 
you know, to, to necessarily like force a quick hit or, sure. you know, just work with one album. It's like it's a long term. And so, you know, that the artists like it's so important that they have like full control and full creative vision. And, and it's really about them and, and supporting their vision and, and being their voice out there. So that's I, kind of the idea, you know. I think that's great. Um, first of all, congrats on all the success. I mean, as we're talking, the folks who hear this will be into 2020, but at the end of, of 2019, um, that Brittany Howard record has just exploded and, and Grammy nominations and pitchfork lists. And uh, so that, that must feel really good for you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible experience and an incredible album and, and such an important with her for eight years um and so it's, it's just so exciting to see this new stage and such an important visionary album you mm. know get the credit and recognition it deserves is she running for president can you announce that on this show <laughs> she is thank you so look for her on that ballot thank you very much thanks for using know, this platform <laughs> oh man and i mean the run of her career and her band has been really fun to watch i kind of came on board around the sound and color record i mean the genre actually is not even my normal go-to genre but i don't know if it was like um if it if i had discovered it through like sound on sound like through the engineering side because i know from a engineering standpoint it was a really popular record in the production of it um, but like, man, I just clung onto that record and it was, it's like the top 10 of the decade for me for sure. And what was it like working on that record specifically? Did you get a feeling at the time that it was going to be a record of the decade? Wow. Um, well, you know, the, the first album, um, was magic in itself, you True. know, boys and girls. And, and that was like, a every day was a new surprise and a new uh, journey and just like roller coaster ride. Like it was just completely insane. I remember the day that Adele like said that, um, you know, the, the shakes and hold on was like her favorite new song. And oh, wow. when that mo moment happened, <laughs> everything <laughs> just exploded. I bet. Um, and you know, from there, it's just, uh, it's just was like a journey that like literally in, you know, in our lives, you can never, you know, produce or never anticipate ever again. And so um, it just kind of lived its own life and started spreading out. And, and the band is just was such a, you know, um, heavy live touring act. And they got out there and played so many shows and so many festivals. And um, their, their show became this like festival headliner, you know, status type of hmm. um, experience. And um I think that, you know, th they wanted to then with that next album, um, the expectations were really high. And so they felt the pressure on them, but also they were ready to like rise to the occasion and, and really try to like, you know, push it forward and be creative and to develop and, and take the sound to a whole new stratosphere, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, in the making of that album, with Blake Mills and um, Sean Everett, yeah. engineer, um, they really, you know, they were really looking to 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 try new ideas and try to be really uh, think outside the box in their approach to recording and writing. And and Brittany is just such a visionary with her creative ideas and what she comes to the table with. You know, she's always 
I think on that album, I want to say like she talked about, you know, just what she was, I feel like she was like said that she was like in her basement, um, just like with these kind of visions on like what she wanted to make. And she had kind of like sketches of ideas. Um, and so, you know, when, when we heard that album um, and also kind of where they had established themselves at that point, it was like, holy, holy shit, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> You know, and yeah. uh, it was just beyond, you know, sonically anything that, that they had ever done. And it was also just like such an important step creatively that um, we, you know, we really took it seriously and, and really invested in, in, in every ways to, to have it shine, you know. And the turning point, I think one of the biggest moments was, you know, when they're on Saturday Night Live and then they were on yeah. um, the Grammys um, as well, like those two moments. Um, to have the, that those stages to to really share their music was unbelievable, and um, and then it was also cool that I think that that album spread out sound and color to like different worlds that may not necessarily you know know about a band like this, you right. know, like in terms of like uh, like artists like Drake or um, John Legend, like a lot artists on that level started to like reference that album as like a point of influence wow. and inspiration. Um, and so then I think that then in a natural way kind of took us to where we are with Britney's solo album and kind of where she's taking her sound, you know, she's stepped it up <laughs> yeah. just another level. And, and uh, she worked with Sean again um, on uh, her solo right album, you James. can hear that yeah. for sure yeah. uh, i think there was something i read uh, it may have been before i heard the record but uh before i heard sound and color that she like sang one of the songs with cotton balls in her mouth Did, have you heard that i think so i can't remember that story specifically yeah yeah but like, that makes sense I feel like <laughs> they, were, they were doing things like that, that it doesn't make sense but it would make sense no <laughs> no no totally yeah. but like just Britney is just such a creative genius and like always looking to do things just differently. And in her mind, she's just always like, just, you know, on another planet. Totally. It's just incredible, you know? I so. thought the, uh, the recent uh, Tiny Desk concert that she did was so great. And it was so cool to be like inches away from her vocal cords, like uh, in HD like that. You know what I mean? You could really see. And because she's not belting it out, it's just coming out of her. It was really interesting. Totally. I think that that's like one of the best qualities about Britney is that she can do these amazing shows, but then she'll get really quiet on songs like short and sweet and mm. like invite you in. And it shows sort of the range yeah. that she has and that she can control and watching her concerts, even now on this tour, it's like, she's just getting better and better as well. Like she's just, so at home doing what she does best on stage performing like that yeah yeah i got the feeling after i listened to the solo record a few times back in september i and seeing what she had done with alabama shakes i just got that feeling that this is somebody that like we'll be talking about in you know 30 or 40 years from now it just felt that way yeah <laughs> what, what was the history of the band uh coming to the label it was you said it was about eight years ago or so yeah, eight years ago, it was um, basically um, Patterson Hood, who's the singer of our, our band Drive-By Truckers. Right. Um, and he's um, 
from Alabama and, and his dad, you know, is, is, uh, is, was in the muscle shoals band, you okay. know, which is, um, you know, incredible soul music history. Um, he Patterson, um, was hearing about the band because they're, you know, from a similar place in Northern Alabama. And I think that he, um, saw them play in this, in a record store. Um, and, and, you know, this was at a point when, uh, Brittany was delivering mail, like she was a postal worker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Heath was, uh, I want to say he's like painting flowers or not playing, painting, um, houses okay um they were all had you know real like just you know normal day jobs in yeah. this band like they had met in high school um and so yeah they had i don't think they had started as a cover band um and then just start, britney started to write her own songs and um i think patterson saw um them in this record store early on and then um basically spread the word to, to our company and our team. And, uh, things started moving really, really, really fast before you knew it. And then suddenly like every record label in the world wanted to sign them. And, uh, wow. They, play, they played this show at Bowery ballroom, um, in New York. And, um, I want to say, I think it was in the fall of 2011, and, uh, you know, the New York Times was there and there was all these like really heavy hitters huh. to see their New York debut. And, and they ha I don't think they had signed a deal completely yet. So it was a pretty intense moment. And then <laughs> yeah. things, things went from there. Uh, yeah. What makes a band like choose ATO or choose any label at that stage when they get the sense that they're hot shit and they could go anywhere they want? Uh, how do you get them to finally make a decision? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great, great, great question. I mean, to be honest, we are more on the marketing and promotional side, so we don't okay as involved in the A and R, you know. But I think that um, let's see. I mean, some of the things I told you about in the beginning of the conversation, you know, in the sense of like being focused on artist development, being focused on like the 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 long term growth of an, a band, and and saying that you know, like we're looking to you know work together on, on a couple albums and it's not about, you know, necessarily just like forcing a hit immediately or forcing even the first album. It's like, it's about growing this, you know, in a, in a tasteful manner and in a, in a thoughtful manner, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, in their case that their, their management is part of, uh, the, the larger company, um, which is red light management. Okay. And so, you know, in, in that sense, it's like part of the family. And, and I think that um, they've always done things as a band, like really on their own terms and also in a very kind of uh, independent and also like sort of um, like less is more approach, you know. And so when they have a team that's very, you know, well, like connected as a family and everyone kind of trusts each other, and knows each other well, you know, everything um, I think uh, it's just a different kind of path, you know? Yeah. Um, this is a band, you know, that like didn't really have um, a proper music video, like a conceptual music video, you know, for a long time. Sure. And they didn't do a lot of things that, you know, necessarily most bands see as like requirements, you yeah. know, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't really like play, you know, crazy games of radio. They just kind of did what they 
you know, felt was natural and it's just kind of always been an organic, you know, beautiful thing. Uh, can you, um, can you give me a bit of a history of the label itself and specifically the connection to Dave Matthews? Cause I, I remember like discovering that maybe about a month ago or two months ago, like that he was involved, like what, what was the role that he played in that and, and the whole history? Yeah, totally. So it's, it's about 20 years ago. Um, Dave Matthews and his manager, Corin Capshaw, who runs red light management, um, started the label and, it was actually um, first uh, one of the early artists, if not the first artist, was um, David Gray, right. um, the Irish artist. Yeah. And uh, he was at a point in his career where um, he had been around for a bit and never really um, had broken through. And especially in the U.S., like no one really knew who he was. And Dave really believed in him and helped to like you know really lift that. Um, his music up and and released his album and, and so it came out here in the U.S. on ATO and um, it ended up becoming this humongous commercial success mm. um, and uh, that was so that was the first real big release. Interesting. Usually, an artist starts a label to release their own material, but that doesn't seem to be the case with Dave Matthews. Right. Yeah, he's been on RCA Records for a long time. Um, and he, yeah, so it's interesting because it's, it's like, he doesn't really, he's not, you know, he, it's not like he's sitting there signing the artist and he's not running the label. And he also, from, from my perspective, he's, you know, he's super proud of it and he's, he's super, he, 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 um, he, uh, is, is definitely like, you know, the, the that um <laughs> the face of kind of sure, like yeah. you know but he's not necessarily the type of artist who's like sitting there like worrying about what's happening with the label necessarily he okay. kind of trusts in the team and, and has faith in the team and and also his manager you know is is oversees the kind of company as a whole so i guess yeah. it, i mean it's it's uh it's great of him to not you know overstep or anything but like yeah i mean he's got to be pretty proud of what has come out of it and how it's kind of shaped american music for the past 20 years totally and i mean you know there's been there's been ups and downs and the label's definitely been through difficult times and um and has evolved um you know in, in kind of many faces and so i'd say like over the past you know five years um, definitely since you know Alabama Shakes came in it's kind of a new era in the label and um, we've also gotten pretty aggressive in you know releasing a lot more music you know so if hmm. you look at the last couple of years you know we're averaging you know somewhere in the 20 to 25 albums a year so. oh my gosh yeah so if <laughs> you compare insane. that to some years there was only a handful you know right I, I think it's a I think it's surprising to me that Dave Matthews wouldn't use the opportunity to to use his name and use his fan base to promote the label. Like to me, I had heard, I knew of ATO, and I had I have plenty of ATO records in my collection, but I had no idea. I never connected the two of them. Uh, so it's right. just I'm just surprised he wouldn't use it from a, a commercial standpoint to use his platform to to promote the label. Well, I think it goes back to what Paul was saying earlier, where 
I think if Dave Matthews really kind of pushed it that way, that it would become more of a brand right. and it would right. have more of an identity mm. and maybe become less about the artist. Like maybe, you know, his name would kind of overshadow some of even the smaller artists. I think just That's having APO more in the background and then letting these artists um, speak for themselves, I think it goes a long way in the long term. Mm. That, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think there's something respectful about that. Um, people might like dismiss it um, if if it feels like somebody's self promoting the label or whatnot. Yeah, and our the like the music that we put out and the fan base that we you know appeal to, I think it is so eclectic that having such a big name attached to it mm-hmm. might kind of be more of a like an obstacle. Right. Really. Like yeah. We want we want to be able to put out the music and then just let, you know, the fans come to that music on their own accord. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So when you're you're speaking of like 20 albums in the in the year or whatnot, do you think it's good for an artist to be prolific? When I look at your catalog, I mean, it, we were talking about Brittany Howard and her various projects, but someone like Jim James has been incredibly prolific over the past few years with various different side projects like everything but a new my morning jacket record for whatever reason i'm dying over here but uh, i'm curious like do you guys encourage artists to be prolific i know you're more on the marketing side but that seems to be like an ato thing well i mean i think that like a natural um cycle is you know in in the kind of way of maybe two every two years Mm -hmm. to three years you know is just the right amount i mean we're obviously we're in a like an album format um kind of label and so while the majority of the industry is like in a single format right Right. that's true um, yeah so at the same time you know we're finding that um in between those albums you know we're, we're, we're trying to see ways that um the artist can still be present and active, whether it's releasing like acoustic versions or remixes or a cover song mm. or something in between to kind of keep their presence, um, you know, known. Um, yeah. But it feels like, yeah, it feels that, um, you know, every two to three years is, is the kind of right amount, but obviously we're in such a quick, you know, a kind of chaotic and quickly changing moment in the industry that, you know, who knows what it's going to be. Like. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about it, uh, that the label has an eclectic sound, although I, I feel like maybe it's just the records that I've listened to, but I kind of associate a lot of these records with that Roots and Americana scene. Um, is is there a genre or sound that you consider to be like a North Star, or is it really uh, more eclectic, as you say? Yeah, I mean, there's been eras where maybe it was more rootsy and Americana, but I think right now, um, if you look at the past two years, we've only released maybe like 10% in that genre. Interesting. So it's really changed a lot. And the, the head of the label has made a focused effort to, you know, not be stuck in a genre or an association. Um, and I think that's really important, you know, and, and, um, it, to be honest, to work in, a, in a, an environment where there's always different types of music and it's, you know, looking to, to also introduce artists that are, you know, pushing boundaries and, and making edgy music is, I think, really exciting and important. Hmm. That's a good point. You know? uh, yeah. Go ahead. 
Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to add on to what Paul said. I think it's really cool. Like the association is great, but it's also really fun when, you know, someone says like, oh, Nick Hakeem's on ATO. Like I didn't mm. know that. Like, I think being able to spread out into those different types of genres is great as well because like, you know, these artists like Hakeem, Nilifer Yanya, Chicano Batman, Alton Goon, like they're incredible. And, you know, seeing them kind of grow as well and seeing, you know, what they're doing right. is exciting. Right. No, that's a good point. And I guess maybe it's just my own like tunnel vision that I kind of like <laughs> attach a genre to a label. Um, but it it's funny because I've talked to a lot of labels and I've, I've attached a genre to their label and they're like, oh, I don't see that at all. <laughs> I think it's also because we're like in it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. Like, no, that's no, no, right. No. That's right. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you guys, like what, what do you do? What does it look like? Uh, what does your role look like surrounding a, a given new release? All does all work. I don't know. You go. <laughs> I ever see like the marketing strategy for the album. So it's just, you know, the, the life cycle of, of an album, you know, from the moment that it's finished mm-hmm. um, to like two years later. Um, and so wow. we try to really, you know, look at the album like long term and, and try to plan um, plan a strategy that can give it that lifespan. And so my job is to like really um, connect all the different teams that are involved, whether it's the radio, the publicist, the licensing digital and just have uh, you know all of those elements to um to influence each other and, and snowball and ultimately hope to you know move things forward with album sales and streams and and artist development you know concert tickets when you t- when you say uh, here, here's a question i have and i i've asked a, a label this before um i mean in the the way that the internet moves so fast it's it's kind of easier to build momentum for a record before the release date to kind of keep that um, fire stoked, so to speak. But then it feels like, and this is definitely, you know, um, speaking from my, my point of view, but it feels like after an album is released, it's like the cat's out of the bag and it's really hard to remind people, even though an album uh, doesn't die or nothing happens to that album. It's like, as soon as it's released, it's essentially dead to the world. Is What kind of things do you do uh, par- as part of your strategy to, to, to kind of keep promoting a record a week after or a month after or a year after? Yeah, totally. That's the most difficult part. And, you know, I think that um, every campaign's different um, in terms of that approach, but our artists, you know, primarily um, survive off of, of touring. And so I think the touring plan and strategy is like integral to that, you know, whether it's like, you know, let's say we're looking at a, at a timeline and we have a plan where they're headlining shows, you know, in one period, let's say like in the first part of the year, then the goal is to get them on festivals the summer right and then it's then follow up maybe in the fall with like a tour where they're supporting another artist or like co-headlining you know and and so that kind of approach applies to then um you know how it affects the overall marketing and promotion and so 
then, you know, if the band is out on the road in these markets, it's like, what can we look at in, in specific cities that will keep things um, engaged? So let's say they're in Los Angeles on tour. It's, you know, approaching KCRW um, for a radio session. Mm. Let's say that they're in Washington, D.C. It's trying to get them on the Tiny Desk concert right. at PR, you know, and... Right. Um, those types of things where it's like you connect the dots of their touring and kind of use the touring plans as a structure um, to, to help build further. Um, and then also think about, you know, different tools that can be used later in the campaign, whether they're different videos, you know, we like to have like, you know, both live videos and conceptual videos, mm -hmm. lyric videos. Um, and then, yeah, there's like, you know, remixes, acoustic versions, totally. um, those types of things too, you know, uh, your title includes digital marketing and that's gotta be something that changes all the time. Like, do you prioritize certain platforms over others? Is there like one more proven way to connect with fans? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a big question and it's, it's, uh, it's, it, there's no right answer. Right. Um, and it really depends on, the the artists in the world, the genre they live in. Yeah, know, I got it. Yeah, I can imagine that would change just with their own demographics. Yeah, exactly. You know, obviously Instagram is driving a lot of traffic and overall engagement right now. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it really depends on like the, what the tools are that you're promoting and, and also um, your goals, you know. So, right. And, and is yeah. there, is there a way that you, I mean, it, it might, it might seem a little bit, uh, fleeting, but like, do you try to keep an eye on like new platforms or, uh, connected to whatever things are coming down to the pipe for promotional purposes? Yeah, I think we always try to keep an eye out, um, for new things, new platforms, um, things that we feel like will work for our artists. Like mm. we're, we try to keep like an open mind. We try to be flexible and, you know, it is, um, a young team. So it's, it's nice to have like people bring in their ideas and be like, let's try this. What if this works? Right. You know, we, you know, we look at all the possibilities because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, what will serve these artists the most? Like everyone here, you know, is like, they're all big fans of the music we sure. put out. So we're just like, right. What would we want to listen to as a fan? What would we want to see as fans? Yeah. Well, that's a great, that's a great place to start. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of the labels that we engage with on this show, like our listener base are one person operations, like one person doing the A&R accounting, social media, all on their own. In your, in your opinion, like, how should that one person focus their time when it comes to social media and digital media? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can be such a waste of time, you know, and I feel like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're one person. Exactly. It's fucking really difficult. <laughs> my, my hat's off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I were one person doing everyone's job. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I probably would have to be so insanely organized right. and be extremely good at not wasting any time whatsoever because, I mean, for smaller labels, I'm sure it's possible and you just have to be very focused mm. 
mean, I don't know. Paul would know way better than me, I think. What do you think? <laughs> Do, do you think that a like a new label, like a young label, should try to populate all of the social media platforms at once, or should they pick one and do it well? Like, what would you do? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think the core the core platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, yeah, like it's important to have presence on those three. You know, like the more peripheral ones are the ones that kind of specialize in certain demographics aren't as important, you know? Right. But, uh, I, I think all three have their, have their purpose and, and also, um, are effective, you know, and there's just like, there's certain elements to the industry that kind of live in, in these different platforms, you know, like, let's just say like on Twitter, you know, I feel like a lot of music journalists are there. Sure. Know? Yeah, there's a lot of conversation there, right? Um, That's um, a good point. Facebook definitely feels like maybe it's skewing a bit older these days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's a good know, point. Like, a lot of our albums, um, you know, we're selling a lot of vinyl, and um, some of our artists, their fan base is skewed older, so. You know the face Facebook ads and Facebook strategy is really important, um, for sure. Yeah, no, you that know? is a good point, and I think uh, you know I think a label would probably have to figure out where their audience is living, and then maybe exactly. focus there. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Well, I think it's because, you know, and I wanted to ask you like if this is a good idea, but I think that a lot of labels, um, a lot of people coming into the industry new will just follow a template. Uh, or copy a template that we see bigger labels doing, you know, with, with respect to an album campaign, we've just like follow that traditional model of single and, and music video and press release. Like, is that the right approach in your opinion? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm not, I know. I hope I'm not putting a lot of pressure on you. We just, I'm just curious. Um, I don't know if there's no right approach, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it, it is so dependent the same way that you'd have to decide where would you want to focus your social media. It truly depends on the kind of, you know, artists you have. Um, you and know. what else is happening, too, with the artists? Yeah. Right. Like, right. you know, there's going to be a lot of strategies that you could put behind it. So I think maybe the short answer would be, like, no, there's not <laughs> one template yeah. to apply yeah. to every artist because I think that would be more of a disservice. Right. No, not everyone's going to fit in that specific thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so many cases where things just happen, you know, in a very unexpected manner. And uh, you can't plan for that and uh, you can't anticipate it. You know, it's just, but I feel like it's more about being prepared and and also being aware of what's happening in the, the, you know, the broader picture, right? Right. do you guys feel, I mean, working on the marketing side of things, do you guys feel like a little bit of pressure whenever an album starts to cook up, when an album gets a, a Grammy nomination? Like, if I were in your position, I would feel like uh, it's just a lot more pressure when you're dealing with such iconic albums. Yeah, the stakes are high. Yeah, no. yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's great, but... I'm just excited just to see so many of our bands um, nominated this year. Like you, you get really proud because 
you know, it's sometimes you work at the beginning and it's, you know, you're really pushing things along and you're, you know, hoping that everyone kind of sees what you see. And, mm. and so I think a Grammy nomination is kind of like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. Do, does it happen? Everyone's where, hard work is paying off. Does it ever happen where people don't see what you see or hear what you hear, where, where an album just doesn't connect with the way uh, to people in the way that they're I would say that's the majority of the time. Really? <laughs> really? Well, that, no, that's encouraging. Uh, yeah. 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 Sure. yeah that's, that's why true. it's like when you get a Grammy nod, you're just like, ah, aha. <laughs> 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 I, I, I'm laughing along with you, but I don't know what that feels like, but I imagine it feels great. <laughs> You know, I think it's, it, it's also kind of, for me, it soaks the fires because you're like, awesome, we've got this, now let's um, put that sort of towards some of the other artists that we feel like um, aren't getting, you know, love in certain areas as yeah. much as we feel like they should be. So it's like, you get excited because you're like, right you can get to the top. Like, how do we do it with yeah. these bands now? That's awesome. Well, listen, listen, guys, thanks so much for doing this. This has been a lot of fun. And like I said, uh, going through the roster and, and the list of releases, it's like, oh, yeah, I've that record. I bought that record <laughs> 10 years ago. It, uh, so it's it's such a pleasure to, to speak with you guys. Yeah, yeah man, our pleasure. Great to chat with Seriously, you, too. Seriously, it was really nice. Thanks for listening to this interview. Um, check out atorecords.com and get acquainted with some of their albums. Uh, there's so much there. Dawes was another name I forgot to mention. Other Lives have a new record coming out soon. Um, such a great label, such an iconic label, and uh, what a pleasure it is to talk, talk with them. Um, please subscribe, leave a review in iTunes. It really does help. You could do that right now. Go and give a big old five-star review. Tell your friends about the show. Um, and then visit otherrecordlabels.com. Um, we're going to be populating that with some helpful stuff, including our free guide for indie labels. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>